Packed knickknacks and tapestries from Africa, Russia, China. This neighborhood is filled with young diplomats. The only reason we could afford something here is because we got a fixer-upper. We have no immediate plans to fix up. I follow the woman into the kitchen, where she points to the telephone hanging on the wall. I'll be in the next room if you need me, she says. I wonder if she's told me your name. I simply nod, take the receiver in my hand, and freeze. I don't have anyone to call. I don't know the name of the local hospital. I haven't memorized my former doctor's number and haven't yet found a new one. I was going to get to all of that. I'm aware that the woman who owns this house is listening for me to do something, and because I'm afraid, I dial the number of my childhood home, wishing I could talk to my mother. But of course, she doesn't answer. Hello, General Harris speaking. I haven't heard my father's voice in two or three years, maybe a call a few Christmases ago, and at first I say nothing. Then, because my belly is tightening again and I'm standing in a stranger's house, I say, I'm scared. Tilly. I never officially cut him off. There was no big falling out. Life just got busy, and the less we were in touch, the more peaceful I felt. I didn't even tell him I got married. Tilly, is that you? Talk to me. I'm in DuPont Circle, and I need a doctor. You're in D.C.? What's wrong? I'll tell the doctor what's wrong. I just need to get to a hospital, and I don't know which one or how to get there. This is what he's good at, ignoring the emotions of the moment and solving a problem. After four or five minutes of him trying to give me directions I'm too panicked to follow, he decides to call me a cab that will take me to GW Hospital. Where are you? he asks. And I don't remember that either. I haven't memorized the new address yet, and when I ask the woman of this house where I am, I'm keenly aware that I'm giving her a very bad, though fairly accurate, first impression. As I hang up the telephone, the neat closed box that held my past is smashed open and oozing into the present. I had felt it coming through, This whole year it seemed that the world was conspiring to bring us together. First it was the television coverage of Desert Storm this winter that flaunted my father's satellite-guided bombs dropping on targets with the accuracy of a video game. Then it was Simon finding the rare opening for an assistant curator at an art museum here in D.C. Now this. Still holding the phone to my ear, I stand motionless, hoping to feel that little upside-down foot kick my ribcage. I press in different spots to see if the baby will push back. Nothing. I don't want to have a full-on panic attack in a stranger's house, but I'm definitely on my way. When I spot a pan of brownies on the stovetop, I take just a pinch, hoping the sugar will get the baby moving. I turn to the wall, pretending I'm still on the phone, and say, "Mm Mm-hmm, eating one bite at first, and then going ahead and eating the entire brownie. Okay, and thank you. I say to no one, then hang up. I only nod my thanks to my neighbor, afraid there might be brownie on my teeth. Waiting on her front steps, I work my fingers through my wet hair, letting the loose strands float away in the breeze. I don't dare turn around to see if she's watching me from her doorway. Instead, I think how good the sidewalk will be for hopscotch. What a nice climbing tree we have in the front yard. What a normal childhood we can offer this baby if he or she will just hold on. There's the pain again. At first a wave of bad cramps, 
not just in my belly, but in my back this time, and now the tightening. My neighbor opens the screen door and asks, Can I help? Want me to wait with you? I shake my head and raise my hand as if to say, I'm fine, everything's cool, grateful to see the red-top cab pulling into view. GW emergency room, I say, just as Dad told me to. As we drive away, I realize I have no wallet, no ID, and no cash. Head in my hands, I spend the rest of the trip with a view of the never-vacuumed floor. When the cab pulls up to the hospital, I pat the seat beside me as if I've only now realized I've forgotten my purse. I figure he'll be sympathetic to a distressed pregnant woman, but he drives off fast and pissed. I walk through the sliding glass doors and into the chaos of sick people. I have to pee, but I get in the registration line first, as people in front of me cough and complain, and one applies pressure to a bloody wound.